Good morning. If you have your Bibles, I hope you do, please turn them open to the New Testament book of Galatians in chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And once you're there, I want you to please stand with me as we read God's holy word this morning. Beginning in verse 1, Paul says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified from the law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your holy word. Now, as we sang earlier, speak, O Lord. We pray that, that through the preaching of your word, that we would behold you this morning, that we would hear that common th- theme that all we have is Christ. And in you... And you alone is the hope of righteousness. And so, God, we pray that today as your word has been opened, that you would open our eyes, that we would behold wonderful things in your word. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Teach us, equip us, encourage us, correct us, challenge us and rebuke us if necessary. And we pray that Christ would be lifted up above all things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. On January 1st, 1863, President Abraham Lincoln issued the Emancipation Proclamation which declared that all persons held as slaves within the rebellious states are and henceforward shall be free. Although slavery wasn't immediately abolished in that time, this served to strengthen the war in favor of the Union and it also became a cause of freedom, a war of freedom for many. Now, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the Emancipation Proclamation for every believer. All who trust in Jesus alone to save them forever are freed from their slavery to sin. And Galatians 5, Galatians 5 shouts that proclamation to us this morning. Today, we're going to continue our journey through this letter that Brother John has been taking us through for some time. It was written by the Apostle Paul to a group of Christians uh, who came to know Jesus. Because of Paul's faithful witness, his hard labor among them, and his personal sacrifice. You see, in a short period of time, we can find this in the first chapter, in a short period of time, a group of men known as the Judaizers, who were false teachers, had come in, and in chapter 2, verse 4, the Apostle Paul said that they came in, they snuck in to spy out our liberty that we have in Christ Jesus in order to bring us back into bondage, into bondage of the law. These were religious Jews who had come into this fellowship of true Christians and were seeking to undermine, undermine the true gospel of Jesus. You see, they believed in a strict observance of the Old Testament law written by Moses and keeping circumcision and should be kept by the church, they said. These men were cancerous to this body of believers. They were teaching a gospel which added to it a system of rules and regulations which really made it no gospel at all. I want you to hear 
four different things, I guess I'd say, maybe four things I want you to receive out of what we talk about this morning because I want you to feel a little bit about what Paul was feeling here. First of all, the, the consequences of trusting in anything plus Christ for your justification. The consequences of trusting in anything plus Christ for your justification. What I mean by the word justification is that when God, by sweeping verdict, declares the sinner guiltless and makes him righteous, not by his own doing, but by faith alone in Jesus. And so anything that we would add to Christ to receive that justification would truly be no gospel at all. I want you to hear that in today's conversation, but also that this crucial doctrine of justification by faith alone is being threatened even today by legalists who come into our churches and by false teachers. And we need to be aware of that. Thirdly, that Jesus, the way he felt towards the Pharisees, we all know that. Jesus' harshest words were towards Pharisees. Paul's harshest words were towards Judaizers and false teachers. And sometimes he would call them the false circumcision. But also, you and I should share in that passion and emotion towards false teachers and legalists of our day who would come into our church and mislead God's people in understanding the true doctrine of justification. And then last, we must agonize for other Christians and non-believers who would be duped into believing this phony gospel. That they would be led astray by teachers such as the Judaizers of Paul's day. Well, the Judaizers did a, a, a good job at discrediting Paul's ministry among these believers who Paul once had, according to chapter 4, an intimate relationship with. He, he, he came there, he preached the gospel to them, led them to Christ, and now these men were wreaking havoc upon Paul's relationship with them. Now, I want you as a parent today, many of us as parents, we can relate to the feeling of Paul here. Oftentimes we see Paul speaking uh, to these young believers as a parent to them. And as a parent, you can relate or even consider the idea as if somebody from the outside of your home would come in and seek to come in between you and your child and undermine your authority to your own child and turn their hearts away from you. How would you feel the emotion that would well up in you towards a person like that? Hear Paul in that way. As men coming in, undermining his authority, undermining the true gospel. Paul is upset. But also, hear it as a parent, and consider your own children turning their hearts away from you. Turning their hearts away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And the agony that that would bring into you. Paul feels that here too. And so when we read that and hear all of this this morning, please feel those emotions behind it as you would towards your own children. Paul has towards these young believers. So Paul, in chapter 1, wastes no time diving head first into this issue. In verse 6 of chapter 1, he says to them, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. You see, Paul says quickly because... It hadn't been such a long time since he first brought them this message, since they were first saved and set apart by the grace of Christ, and now they're quickly deserting that. He says that they've been duped by a different gospel, that they've been sold a bag of fool's gold. And by buying into this different gospel, which, which, in which the Judaizers claim was drawing them near to God, Paul says in chapter 1, verse 6, six that they are actually deserting God. 
You see, hear this, legalism to the legalist always promises to bring someone closer to God, but in reality it does the exact opposite. In chapter 5, verse 1, Paul wants the true believers to do an about face. He wants them to understand that in Christ, the prison door has been opened, and you have been set free, and then why would you ever want to turn around and look back to that open door and say, I want to go back. I want to be in jail again. So, our first point today in your handout there in the bulletin is this. We must stand firm in the freedom for which Christ paid. We must stand firm in the freedom for which Christ paid. And in this first verse, you're going to see three things. Our calling, our commitment, and our caution. First, our calling. Our calling is to freedom in Christ. Paul says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Why did Jesus redeem us? Why did he purchase us by shedding his own blood? Why did he pay our sin debt? To set us free and do it permanently. To do it forever. In John 8, 34-36, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son does remain forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be what? You'll be free indeed. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. And that's our calling. And our commitment is to stand firm. Therefore, Paul says, keep standing firm. This is the positive side of his command to us here. To resist anything, anything that would threaten our liberty in Christ with legalism. No matter how good it sounds. Anything plus Jesus for your justification is legalism and it's no gospel at all. So stand firm in your freedom, and your caution is to avoid legalistic bondage. Paul says, and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Now this is the negative side of the warning for the believers. Think about this, as the oxen are in the field, they are yoked together by the farmer to control and guide them. Now the scriptures say that when the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt, that they were yoked in slavery to the Egyptians, but then God did what? He sent Moses, who became a deliverer for them and set them free. Now, hear the contrast. Sin, legalism, religiousness, captivity versus Christ alone, freedom. Hear that. Religion is hard and its burdens are heavy. But Christ's yoke is easy and his burdens are light, Matthew 11 Christian, you no longer need the outer control of the law because you have the inner control of the Holy Spirit. We have to stop living our life looking into the rearview mirror. In other words, stop living like the, the, the Hebrew slaves who were free. Stop living like them and looking back to Egypt and saying the slave food tastes better. Stop living like you were just set free from Sodom and Lot's wife who looked back and was destroyed. Let's stop looking back to legalism. Let's stop looking back to before Christ. Let's stop looking back to what anything, anything that could happen to us apart from Christ, that that would somehow add to our salvation. That that somehow would add one millisecond to our eternal rest with God in heaven. He didn't set us free from Sodom that we would look back and be destroyed. The Judaizers were being used by Satan to tempt them to look back into slavery of the, under the law. 
Now, Warren Wiersbe writes this. He says, First century Judaizers are not the only ones afraid to depend on God's grace. Legalists in our churches today warn that we dare not teach people about the liberty we have in Christ, lest it result in religious anarchy. The Christian who lives by faith is not going to become a rebel. He goes on to say, say that the one set by free in Christ is quite the contrary. He is going to experience the inner discipline of God that is far better than the outer discipline of man-made rules. No man could become a rebel who depends on God's grace, yields to God's spirit, lives for others, and seeks to glorify God. The legalist is the one who eventually rebels because he is living in bondage, depending on the flesh, living for self and seeking the praise of men and not the glory of God. Remember as I said earlier, legalism to the legalist always promises to bring one closer to God, but in reality it always does the exact opposite. Next, faith in the law or any man-made rules cannot be harmonized with faith in Christ. The two are mutually exclusive. You can't have one and have the other. And there are consequences for the believers in Galatia, there are consequences for them to take circumcision. And there are consequences for us to trust in any law or any type of man-made religion, such as, next point, by returning to the law, we nullify Christ's work on the cross. By returning to the law, we nullify Christ's work on the cross. Verse 2, Behold I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Christ will be of no benefit to you. Circumcision wasn't bad, but the motive for taking it was. The father of the Jewish people was Abraham, and when God made a covenant with Abraham, it was literally marked by circumcision, and God used that to set them apart from the surrounding nations. And based on the false teaching of the Judaizers, Paul was making the point that if they are circumcised, then the Galatians would be putting confidence in their flesh rather than confidence in Christ. His sacrifice would become worthless to them if it had to be added to by the works of the law. Why? Well, because this, obedience to the law is all or nothing. Verse 3, And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision, that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You see, this is another consequence of them adding circumcision to their faith in Jesus. Why would this obligate someone to keep the whole law? Well, see, to seek your own righteousness by keeping God's law means that you have to perfectly keep all of God's law to attain that righteousness. Let me say that again. To seek your righteousness by keeping God's law demands that you keep all, all of God's laws to attain that righteousness. To only keep some of God's laws falls woefully short of God's standard for perfection. You see, Jesus was the only one who could live a perfect life and keep all of God's laws to fulfill all righteousness. That's why his death on the cross was pleasing to God and his resurrection, resurrection secured that payment for sin. He has done it for us. The next consequence, though, of seeking a right standing with God through keeping his law is this. Faith in the law causes a person to be severed from Christ and fallen from grace. Verse 4. You have been severed from Christ, you who are seeking to be justified by law. You have fallen from grace. Church, the law is good. Think about it with me. The Ten Commandments, when we talk about that, 
You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not have any idols. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. You shall keep the Sabbath day holy. You shall honor your father and mother. You shall not commit a murder. You shall not commit murder, commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not lie. And you shall not covet. The law is good. It shows us the perfection and holiness of God. It shows us what sin actually is in contrast to the perfection and holiness of God. It convicts us all as guilty lawbreakers because we have not kept them perfectly. It silences us. It gives us no excuse as we stand before a holy and just God. And the problem here is that just like the Judaizers or the foolish Galatians, we too can be guilty of trying to make God's law out to be a ladder. What do I mean by that? Is that we can look at God's law and say, if I just don't lust in my heart, I will be closer to God. I can get closer to heaven. If I do not steal, I will be closer to heaven. If I do not do this, I get closer. If I do not do that. And that we look at every law as a rung on a ladder that somehow by keeping them gets us closer to eternity. And that is not true. We should therefore look at the law not like a ladder but more like a mirror. And so that we would turn and look before the perfect law of God and that we would see our reflection of just who we are. And we would look and see that we all, in view of God's law and His standard of holiness, are sinners who need a Savior. We are unholy. We are all lawbreakers. The book of James says if you break break one, you're guilty of them all. How is that? Well, you can break up the law. And you can see in the first four commandments, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength because the first four deal with our vertical relationship with God. And the last six are horizontal. They deal with our relationship to man. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You break one, you break them all because you can't truly love God without loving your neighbor and you can't truly love your neighbor without loving God. And so the law is important. Based on the teachings of the Judaizers, they're leading the Galatians astray. The law should show us that we're guilty and deserving of God's wrath. And when it's properly used, the law will always point us to Jesus. Galatians chapter 3, it's a schoolmaster to lead us to Christ. It's to lead us from law to grace. It's to lead us from freedom, from bondage to freedom. You can't have them both. You only have one without the other. And to choose the law is to be severed from Christ and to be rejecting grace. Think of it like this when Paul says the analogy of circumcision. When he says, if you sever your flesh to gain more of Jesus, you will sever your intimacy with Jesus. It's that important to this church. If one rejects grace, they have fallen from grace. Hear it in Ephesians 2, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, lest any man would boast. By putting your confidence in your flesh, you make salvation about you, and I make salvation about me, and reject the work of God's saving grace in our lives. If we want to live by the law, we make it open season for boasting. Grace is God's unmerited favor. And by trying to earn that which can never be earned means we have fallen from the grace of God. This is, this is not losing one's salvation as many people will coin the phrase falling from grace to mean. 
That again would suggest that your salvation is all about you. Salvation is a free gift of God. And that salvation is dependent upon Him. If we believe that all Scripture is God-breathed, totally true, and without error, then we cannot suggest this to mean that someone would lose their salvation since that would contradict God's Word elsewhere. Think of it like this. Paying off trillions of our national debt, discovering a cure for cancer or the common cold, digging a million wells in Africa, or finding a home for every orphan in the world, or giving a Bible tract to every lost person in the world, serving in every single church ministry, or giving all your money to the poor will not give you eternal life and will not add a single millisecond to your eternal rest in heaven. Abraham was declared righteous before he was circumcised. Abraham was saved by faith apart from the law 430 years before Moses ever penned it. Justification is God's sweeping verdict whereby God declares the law-breaking sinner to be guiltless and righteous in Jesus Christ. This is God's call. He removes guilt. He imputes righteousness to our account and we don't do anything to add to that pronouncement. We cannot receive any justification by keeping God's law. You can hear this underlying tone in Philippians chapter 3. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul is addressing some similar issues. And he tells them, beware of the dogs. Beware of the evil workers. Beware of the false circumcision. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God. Who glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, Paul says, I far more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. All of that in man's eyes. But he says, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing knowledge of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have lost, suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. You hear that? It's the same message. And it's threaded throughout the scriptures. Let's be honest. No one is looking to be justified by circumcision anymore. But many think that they need Jesus plus baptism. We need Jesus plus the Lord's Supper. We need Jesus plus church membership. We need Jesus plus a Sabbath. We need Jesus plus fill in the blank. But let us be reminded that Christ plus nothing equals everything. Paul says in verses 5 through 6, For we through the Spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. Our righteousness comes from faith through Christ alone, church. And we await the day that we will stand before God and all the realization of that righteousness will be made known to us. And we will be draped in white robes which will be symbolic of our righteousness in Jesus Christ. 
So Christians, we must preserve with passion the truth of justification by faith alone because it's always threatened. It's always threatened. Don't get sucked in to a lifestyle of legalistic slavery. Remember, we don't add a single millisecond to our eternal rest in God by giving, by going, by praying, or reading anything. You've been set free. Don't go back. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for Jesus, our Savior, who truly did save us. He set us, set us free. He was the rescuer, the deliverer, who opened the prison cell and let us go free so that we might walk in Him and experience true freedom apart from works of our flesh. Every other man-made religion in the world tries to get to heaven through works of the flesh, but not us. We put our faith in Christ alone who did all the work for us, Father, and we thank You for that. And so today... We pray that you would deliver us from any legalistic tendencies, anything that we are trying to add to our salvation apart from Jesus to make it more complete as if Jesus' blood was not sufficient. God, we pray that today you would open our eyes to the reality of our soul and its condition. And those who do not know Jesus, that you would help them to see that. Those who have been duped to believe a different gospel apart from faith alone in Jesus, help them to see that. And then those of us who are truly saved, but maybe being led astray by false teachers on the TV, false teachers who are within. Lord, I pray that you would protect and guard our hearts. Help us to be vigilant over our souls. And that you would use First Baptist Church to herald the true gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name.